I want to welcome you this evening. I'm excited about getting to start a new topic with you, and I have uh, to go quick, so make sure you listen closely because we're going to move quick through this, but I want to welcome you. Tonight, we're starting a series called Wired for Worship. Can you just say that with me? Just repeat that for me, Wired for Worship. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Wired for worship. Okay, you guys got to be a little more enthusiastic than that. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Wired for worship. That's right. Okay, we're going to talk about worship this semester. We're going to spend a good deal of time talking about worship. Now, as we get started here with this semester, I need a little bit of audience participation. So uh, some of you have grown up in church. Some of you have never been in church in your life, and that's okay. So I want to ask you a question. When you hear the word worship, what comes to mind for you? What comes to your mind when you hear the word worship? And, and from the floor, I'd love some answers. Can I just get some answers around here, anybody? When you hear the word worship, what comes to your mind? Anybody? Music. Music. Anybody else? Yeah. Bible study. Bible study. Okay, you got that one wrong on your answer up there, but uh, in the game, <laughs> during the game time. Um, anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Making yourself vulnerable for God, okay? Anybody else? When the word, when somebody says the word worship, what comes to your mind when you hear that word? Anybody else? Okay, so we got middle, we got let my left. Anybody from the right side over here got an answer for me? Anybody? I'll call on somebody. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. They're like so nervous back there. I will not call on you and embarrass you in front of everybody. There's some great answers. And you know, that's, here's the deal. Throughout this entire semester, I would hope that as we progress through the semester that you will learn more and more with me about what worship is and why we worship. We're going to learn all about worship together so that, listen, so that we can be better worshipers and so that we can love God more, love God more, and to love God with all that we are. I want to show you this picture really quick. This is a picture of a cup that is overflowing with water. And when I look at this cup and I see this cup overflowing with water, I would hope that as we learn more and more about worshiping God, loving God, that our lives would be like this cup, that God's love would just be so much in us and flowing in us, that our, God's love would be flowing out of us. So can you look at this cup? Go home, get a cup, a clear one because it looks pretty, and then just like start pouring water. And then when it gets to the top, just keep pouring water in it. And when your mom and dad ask you, what are you doing? Why are you making a big mess in my kitchen? Just say, Mom, Marcus said that we need to do this and imagine God's love pouring out of us. Your mom's going to be like, you're weird. Just stop it. Okay. But that's kind of what we want to do. We want to grow in God's love, grow in loving God, because God's love then flows out of us, spills out of our lives to other people. Okay. So you got a handout, pull that paper out on your chair because you're going to write and take notes. All right. So you have a pen in the seat back in front of you. If you don't have a pen or pencil, and we do this for you every week so you can stay connected and know what we're talking about and follow along with me. You can take notes tonight and fill in blanks and stuff like that. But tonight we're going to talk about how God is worthy of worship. God is worthy of worship. Will you say that with me on the count of three since some of you are a little distracted tonight? God is worthy of worship. Here we go. Ready, set, go. God is worthy of worship. Worthy. What does worthy mean? Well, my simple definition of worthy is simply this, that Whatever is worthy, if something is worthy, it is worth it. It has great value and it is deserving of something. It is deserving. It is worth attention. It is worth attention, is worth 
something valuable. That's what worthy means. So when we say that God is worthy, we're saying that God is deserving of something. God deserves something. He is worth it. When we talk about worship, we're, you know, we're going to spend the entire semester um, looking at the word worship. But just a really simple definition tonight. Worship, is, worship means giving honor or adoration or love to something or to someone giving extreme value to something or someone loving adoration honor to someone right okay so here's number one on your blank all right you ready number one god is worthy of worship because of who he is fill that in god is worthy of worship because of who he is God should be worshiped by people. He should be loved by people. He should be adored by people because of who he is. Now, there's a verse on the screen. It's 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 2. It says this, there is no one, okay? Now, write, write that in the margin, okay? There is no one. There is no one. You don't have to write the whole verse down, but just write the first part. There is no one like the Lord. Now, and just in case you don't know what that verse means, let me read it one more time. There is no one like God. There is no one like the Lord. There is no one besides you, Lord. There is no rock like our God. And in case you don't understand what there is no one means, it means that there is no one. It means nothing compares. There is nothing that can come close to comparing to who God is and what God is like and who he is in all of his ways. No idea comes close to God. No, nothing in creation comes close to God. Nobody and nothing can compare there is no one like God. Now, I want to show you this picture right here. Have you all ever seen these games where that they give you two pictures and they say spot the comparisons? Like, compare the two pictures. Try to find the two things that are missing, that are different in the pictures. Or in this picture, there are eight things that are different, okay? Does anybody see any of them? Eight things that are different, okay? I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know. There are like 900 chickpeas in one photo and 992 in the... It's just hard to tell the difference between the two, right? Now, we could spend the rest of the night here staring at this, so go ahead and take the picture off because then they're not, not going to listen to me anymore. The point is simply this. In that little game right there, spot the difference. You compare this to that. And we compare a lot of things in our lives to one another, okay? So those of you who are in basketball season right now, a few of you that go to our church, you start to compare this team to that team. And you can tell which teams maybe have more talent or are working harder. And you compare them based on their records, right? This team has this record. That team has that record. Okay, you can compare baseball teams. You can compare sports teams. You can compare musicians. You can compare how people are doing academically in school based on a grade that they're getting. You can, we live a life of comparisons, even negative comparisons, right? We can compare ourselves to other people like, oh, he is stronger than me. She's, fat, she's uh, faster than me. She's prettier than me. He has more friends. He's more popular. More people like that person. Not, you can spend your entire life comparing, comparing. And we live in a culture of comparisons. We're always comparing. I'll show you that little picture right there because, I don't know, some people like those games. Oh, let's, let's compare these two pictures. Let's compare. Let's compare. Now, here's the deal. The verse that we just said says that there is no one like God. 
nothing can compare. Nothing compares to God. This is who God is. Now, there's a little space on your handout for you to write in a few names or attributes. That's like a characteristic of God. Now, there are going to be a lot of them on the screen. You don't have to write them all. Just write down what really speaks to you and stands out to you. But in case you're like, what do you mean worship God for who he is? Who is God? Why is he worthy of worship? Well, on the screen, you'll see that you have a list. It's a long list. You don't have to write them all. Just write out one or two that stand out to you. But God sanctifies. That means he separates his children from evil. God is infinite. That means he's beyond the measurements of time and space. Okay, God does not exist. He does not, he's not bound by time. He's not bound by space like you and I. You and I are bound to time. We were born and we will die one day because we are bound to time. And I guarantee you that you will not be here forever, Mr. Marco. God is omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. No, nobody comes close to his power. God is good. He's perfect in his goodness. People want to ask, is God good? Is he really good? If God is good, how could there be so many bad things that are happening in our world? He's good. He's kind. He's caring. God is love. We have a lot of messed up examples of love in our world, but God is perfect in his love. God provides. He cares about needs that people have. Before church, I was talking with Melissa Vaughn, one of our former students, uh, she's in college. I was talking to her about homelessness and homeless people and how uh, they can be assisted and, and helped. God cares about people's needs. God is a God of peace. God is unchanging. He doesn't change his mind. He's perfect in all his ways. Have you ever met somebody, or maybe you have felt like this, kind of like finicky, flaky, you change your opinions, you change your answers, you tell somebody yes, but you really mean no and aren't going to do it. Imagine if God was like that with us. God is unchanging and perfect in all his ways. God is transcendent. That means that he is beyond anything created. God is just. He is fair. God is just. He's holy. He's set apart from all creation. God heals, and he still heals people today. God is all-knowing. He knows all. He, he is, there is nothing that is a surprise to God. He's everywhere. You can't keep God out of any place that he is or wants to be. He is everywhere. God is merciful, and that's good news for you and for me. God is sovereign. That means he's in control. God is victorious. He's, he wins. God is wise. God is faithful. God is full of grace. God is our comforter. God is God Almighty. And that's one of his names. God is Father. And that's good because a lot of people in our world are fatherless. God is perfect Father. God is Master. Some of us like Jesus, but he's not our master. And there's a big difference. God is master and God is strength and he is power. There is no one like God and he is worthy of all of our love. He is worthy of all of your attention. He's worthy of all of your worship, the word that we're learning about this year. He's worthy of all of your worship. All right, number two. God is worthy of worship because of what he has done. And that's on your paper. 
God is worthy of worship because of what he has done. Number one was because of who he is. Number two, he's worthy of worship because of all that he has done. All right, so I'm going to read this verse. It's on the screen. Follow along with me. And everything in bold is this individual saying that he or she has to declare, has to say with his or her lips all that God has done. Watch this. It says, it's from Psalm 71. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds. Are you able to say This is what God has done. He says, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate to them, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. In other words, this individual is saying, God's work, what he has done is so amazing that I can't keep it in. I have to say it. I have to tell people what he has done. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, since I was young, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. There he is again saying, since I was little, you taught me. And I have to say how great your marvelous deeds are. Even when I am old and even when I'm gray, Do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power. In other words, he's saying, Lord, don't even let me die until I am old and after I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So what he's saying is, God, all the days of my life from now until I die, I have to tell people. I have to tell people how great you are, all of the great things that you have done. See, God has done great and mighty and powerful things, and we must worship, worship him for what he has done. All right, I want to show you this picture. I don't know if you've uh, seen this on Disney Plus or the Nat Geo channel, but this dude, his name's Alex. Um, I saw this documentary, A- Alex Honnold, and Alex Honnold is amazing. He scaled, he climbed El Capitan in Yosemite National Park, free solo climb. Um, There's a documentary on um, um, Nat Geo Channel and uh, Disney Plus, and you can see his story of how he trained and prepared to free solo climb El Capitan in Nat Geo. And it's amazing, just what an incredible feat to be able to free solo climb this. So if you don't know what free solo climbing is, I'm an expert. All I know is that it means that you climb without a rope. There is no rope and nobody is with you. And so all these camera crews set up all of their ropes and how they were going to record him free solo climbing. People have died on El Capitan trying to free solo climb it. People have died with equipment roped in and he is going to free solo climb it. And he does it. He makes it to the top. And they make this incredible uh, documentary video of him free solo climbing El Capitan. And I think it's incredible. And there's nothing that should be detracted from this amazing feat uh, to be able to free solo climb this thing. And if you get a chance to watch the documentary sometime, it is really cool. Uh, now, that's a great, great thing. And, and I don't want to, uh, to detract or subtract from this amazing deed that... Alex Honnold has accomplished, but as amazing and as great as that is, it still does not even compare to the God who created El Capitan. 
They're laughing really loud in there. It, can somebody go tell them to please keep it down? I'm not joking. Go. Um, it doesn't even compare to the God who created El Capitan. The guy who climbed it without a rope. Everybody's mind blown. How could he do that? God says, that's pretty amazing. You just climbed without a rope the mountain that I built, I created with my own hand. It doesn't compare to the God who set galaxies in motion. You know, this last week, did you guys hear one of the interns at NASA, a young guy, like second day, was it second or third day, in third day intern, you heard that, Josiah? Third day intern at NASA, and he discovers a new planet, and I've seen it on CNN, I've seen it on Fox News, I've seen it on my Twitter feed. Uh, how old was the guy? Does anybody know how old he was? 17-year-old intern at NASA, third day on the job, he discovers a new planet while at NASA, and everybody's like, Whoa, this is amazing. Can I tell you this? That is an awesome. Congratulations, dude. But it still doesn't compare to the God who said, yeah, I created that planet. And you didn't even find it until this 17-year-old came along and found it. But I created that planet, not you. It doesn't even compare. And listen, we can go on and on. It doesn't compare to the God who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, that we could be forgiven of our sin and not condemned, but forgiven and walk in a relationship with God. You see, we could spend all night here talking about all the great things that we marvel at and are like, wow, that really truly is amazing, but still doesn't compare to all that God has done. You just pick any topic you want and it doesn't compare. Pick mathematics. Anybody in here like math? There have been amazing discoveries in math. Isaac Newton, the inventor of calculus. All right? Watch this. God says, y'all going to take pre-cal, every single one of you, when you get to high school. Some of you guys are like, no, I ain't taking pre-cal. All right, listen. God is saying, I created that's amazing. Good job getting good grades at school. But guess what? I created the human brain that is even able to understand. Some of you guys are like, God, keep working on my brain because I don't understand pre-cal, all right? But anyway, all right, sorry, that's me. That's me, okay. But, but my point is simply this. As amazing as mathematics is, God says, I created it. I, I am still great. You see, we can go on and on about all the great things that God has done, that God has done in the world around us. And that is why he is worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your love because of who he is and what he has done. Number three, last one, we're out of here. Okay, you were wired for worship. You were created to worship God. You were wired. And that's why this series is called Wired for Worship because you were created to worship I love this verse in Isaiah 43, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a real quick setup for this verse. And this verse right here, God, through the prophet Isaiah, is saying, my son Jesus Christ will be sent one day, and he will come and save mankind from their sin. This is what he says. He says, bring my sons from far away. Bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, everybody who is called by me. And God says, who I created. I created them for me. 
God says, I created them for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring them from afar so that they can know me and love me and worship me. And that's what the prophet says. You were created for worship. But then a few verses down in the same chapter, it gets a little bit sad because then God says, even because I created you to love me and you have every reason to love me, this is what he says, verse 21, you have not called on me. He says, you haven't wearied yourself for me. In other words, you have just abandoned me and left me. He says, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. Isn't that sad? God says, I love you and I created you to love me and to worship me. But instead, you have forgotten me. And instead, you've loved your sin more than you've even loved me. You see, here's the thing. This is how we're going to end tonight. You were created for worship. Everybody worships. Every single person in here, every single person in our world worships. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody worships God, but everybody loves and gives adoration, honor, attention, and gives themselves to something or someone. People may worship themselves, and the only person that really matters is themselves. People may worship money or power or popularity. Education is good, and you should get educated. You should go to school and do your best and be educated. But education can become something that people worship also. Listen, when you look at your life, when you look at your own heart, where does your worship land? Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? And are you loving God more than anything? There's this cool guy. His name is John Piper, and he's an old-time pastor guy. And I like to call him the pipe bomb. John Piper, this is what he says. There's a quote on the, on the screen. It's on your handout. Take it home. It says this, true worship. Listen to this. It's a good one. Okay, for some of us, it might be just be like, right over our head. Watch this. True worship is, you can come up, Gunny. True worship is a valuing or treasuring of God above all things. True worship is treasuring God above everything. Now, listen, I have a question for you. You ready? Do you treasure God? Do you treasure God above all things? Is he really your greatest treasure? Now, here's what happens. Do you remember the picture of that cup with the water that was flowing out of it at the very beginning? When God is our greatest treasure, our lives start to look like that cup with water flowing out. God's love flowing out of us, us being able to love and worship God back. So here we go, recap really quick. God is worthy of our worship because of who he is, because of what he has done, and you and I were created to worship, and we will worship something. It may not be God, but we will worship. All right, so I've asked the band, Karina, to come up, and they're gonna lead us in just like a little bit of that second song that we did together. It's an awesome song. And here's what I want us to do, okay? Listen. I want there to be like no distraction in here at all, okay? And I want you to have some freedom, okay? You can stay sitting and you can quietly pray. And when you pray, you can pray to God and just say, God, I love you. 
Um, I want to love you more. I want to learn to worship you more with my life. You can sit and pray, but you can also stand and sing. If you want to sing with us, I'll stand and sing. And, and if you want to stand, you can sing um, and worship God through the song that we sing right now, right? Um, if you want somebody to pray for you, um, some of our leaders are sitting around here, and you can just walk up to our leader and just say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Can, I, can you pray for me about something going on in my life? And we'll pray for you. Um, we'd love to do that. But we want this to be a time of worship. And if you feel the need to distract somebody next to you, just like don't do it because you may be stealing from them something that can be really special. Listen, here's the thing. Watch this. Are you listening? Some of you are coming from a stressful week. You've had a lot of stuff going on at school. Maybe a lot of stuff going on at home that isn't good. Maybe a lot of stuff in your life. Maybe that's just stressful to you. Um, um, I think in the game, Nidia said, you know, some, some people's resolution, it wasn't hers, but some people's resolution is to be like mentally stable. I heard that. A lot of, a lot of us in here are saying, man, we want to have peace and less stress in our life. So this should be a moment right now where we can just be with God and say, God, I really want to worship you. I love you. So you have freedom in here. You can stay sitting and you can pray. You can stand and sing. You can do both. If you want somebody to pray for you, just go off to the side here and somebody will pray for you. And after that, we'll finish our time, all right?